This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. Mom, do we have to do the Yanks Go Yard Podcast today? Do we? Are you sure that we definitely have to do it? Uh, the Yankees went into Tampa Bay this weekend with a terrible roster, with a bad lineup. Starting Domingo Herman and Johnny Brito in two of the three games. Garrett Cole is a savior on Sunday. People tell you you're being too pessimistic if you say you're, they're going to get swept because you got Cole on the mound. But those people saying you're being too pessimistic don't really know how this goes. The Yankees usually get swept full strength going into Tampa. So it was a completely normal thing to be like, oh, they're probably going to get swept. Um, they didn't. They won a game. They lost the series. Totally acceptable outcome, given the roster, given the pitching matchups, given the way they always play at the Trop. Completely unacceptable performance yesterday in every way. And I've resisted calling this a 2021 redux for weeks now. because I, I Mostly because I don't want to accept it. Mostly because I don't want to be like, ah, we're back. We're doing it again. Uh, you know, the Red Sox are overperforming and the Yankees are underperforming. And the Yankees have blown leads and all that stuff. I, I've been resisting being like, oh, two years ago all over again. But it might be two years ago all over again, right? Because we're seeing uh, multiple worst loss of the year contenders lining each other up every couple of weeks. We're seeing unblowable leads get blown. We're seeing the Yankees get right up to that line of, well, this won't be so bad unless the worst case scenario happens and then the worst case scenario happens. I would be feeling much better about the 2023 Yankees if Garrett Cole had taken the mound yesterday after the Yankees split the first two in Tampa and gotten killed and given up seven runs in the first and they lose 10-1. And then I'm going, all right, Razor's hot as can be. We took one. First bad Cole start of the year is what it is. Of course, that's not what happened, though. Of course, that's not what happened. Of course, they were up 6-0. Of course, everybody was saying this is the first time I've enjoyed watching this team in weeks. Of course, people were saying extend Harrison Bader, which, by the way, I would extend Harrison Bader, but certainly less easy to make the argument that he's changed everything when they ended up finishing their worst singular loss of the year so far and in years, honestly, yesterday. And uh, Thomas Carinante, I'll throw it to you in a second for a fun promo uh, in case anyone's still having fun here. <laughs> Uh, and you can find this podcast as you always can on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays. And I brought Google Podcasts back because one of our commenters actually said, I took it out of the spiel in the last episode. Wow. And he was like, I actually use Google Podcasts. It's better than Apple Podcasts. So shout out. Um, it's back. If you're a Google Podcast user, you can find us there as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the worst loss I can remember of the Baby Bombers era was that 7-2 ninth inning lead in Houston that they let go in the last game before the All-Star break. And not to minimize that one, because it was real bad, but they'd taken the first two games in that series. So we were obviously upset. It's the last game before the All-Star break. It colors the entire first half in a different way than if you'd gone on the road and swept Houston. But they took two out of three behind Cole and Nestor Cortez in that series. Were we spoiled back then when we called that the worst single game of all time? And then a couple weeks later, watched Domingo Herman carry a no-hitter into the ninth, eighth inning at Fenway, 4-0, and blow that game? Those two were horrendous. 
This one, all things considered, where the Yankees sit in the division, etc., I think it's the worst of the era. Single game loss. I really think it is. And Thomas Carolina, they feel free to give everybody a little gift here before you take a whack at this. But I think, like, prisoner of the moment, I was obviously extremely angry after that Red Sox game and the Astros game. Red Sox game, I remember putting on my earbuds and walking, just walking just walking through the road. Like, I'm going to go wander the streets. That was really bad. This was bleaker. Yeah. And you're guys, you're going to need this offer because now you're eliciting these memories from that Houston game. I had $100 on the Yankees during that game to to win, uh, to sweep Houston. And that one was a killer because that was right before the All-Star break and you set the vibes as bad as you could right before heading into a much-needed period of reprieve. Uh, but the good news is, is DraftKings is here. So if you are betting for folks in New Jersey and Connecticut, um, we have a little bit of an alteration here. No more folks in New York. So sorry if you're listening from New York. This is just for New Jersey and Connecticut. We have an awesome limited time promo for DraftKings users. If you head on over to DraftKings.com or download the app, deposit money and place a $5 wager on any sport and get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets if you win or lose. So if the Yankees ruin your life like they did yesterday and you manage to put $5 on them, you arbitrarily get $150 in bonus bets. And then you can keep betting on the Yankees until all that $150 in bonus bets is gone. And then you can come on the podcast and join the chat and start yelling about them because that's what we do. Um, all you have to do for this is use the code Yanks Go Yarn. Yanks Go Yarn. Should we rename the podcast Yanks Go Yarn? Because they don't go too late. Can we get rid of the Yanks part too? I would rather talk about yarn. <laughs> Just yarn go yarn. I don't want to talk about the Yankees at all. A yarn could be a story too. Oh, it could be a long tale. I love it. We got to do it. Um, so you got to go to DraftKings and you have to punch in the code Yanks go yard at sign up. And you got to be a first time user. Um, using this code Yanks go yard is a great way to support the podcast. So if you haven't yet gotten a DraftKings account, if you haven't gambled yet or if you're using other uh, betting platforms, please head on over there. Do us a solid. Sign up with this code again, Yanks Go Yard, and place that first bet. Um, this is for new customers only, 21 and older, and physically present in New Jersey or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER if you're in New Jersey or 888-789-7777 if you're in Connecticut. This is a valid one offer per customer. It's a minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. So please be on top of that. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. The one yeah. thing that yeah, I mean, I know about I know about the offer. The offer is good. I don't know about the Yankees. Um, yeah. The one the one positive I had coming out of yesterday is that. Um, I figured out the amount of beer I need to drink to kind of be desensitized to a loss like that and at the same time not flip out. So I had four pints of Budweiser while I was cooking and watching this game. Um, and uh, by the time the meltdown happened, I was like, oh, of course. I was a little bit mad, but I was like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, I saw that coming. And now it's happening. And now I'm a little bit buzzed. And then by the time the walk-off hit happened – all I did was just turn the screen off and then I just went back to what I was doing. So no flip out, um, a little bit of feeling of shame in the morning when I woke up today uh, because of how embarrassing that was. But if you need, I don't know if your guys' tolerance is like mine, maybe it's stronger, maybe it's weaker, four 16-ounce beers and you're good to go. 
I had a great dinner. I, I didn't, you know, it didn't ruin the rest of my day. I mean, it kind of did. I was checking my phone all the time. You ever read a story about a game that you know is already over, somehow thinking that like it'll stop when the lead was blown? <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, I guess, I guess we won that game. That's weird. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I remember blowing a six nothing lead, but we didn't have one at some point. So I guess maybe that's it. That's the fun part of the article. Maybe that's it. Um, yeah, I didn't. Once they uh, went down seven six, I mean. <laughs> There was some horrific late game execution in this game that that colored it worse than the really earlier, even the lead blowing portion of this game. But I was I was numb to it at that point. I and mean, when yeah. they're down seven six and they tie it up seven seven, don't take the lead. You're like, I mean, thank you for tying it up. There's no way this ends well. Uh, they got Oswaldo Cabrera on second in the ninth with one out, and you're like, got to score him because you'll actually probably win if you score him. And yeah. then nobody does anything. Um, they don't even really come close to getting that runner in and then free runner on second in the, in extra innings, which is such a nice gift from Rob Manfred and a rare opportunity for the road team surviving through to extra innings to actually get the leg up on the home team. Cause you get the first shot to get the runner home. You got the top of the lineup up. You got Jalen Beeks. Who's been dreck all year long for the Rays. You got a, a bullpen guy prone to implosions and Volpe and Torres and Rizzo up. By the way, hate to do this to Anthony Rizzo, but Rizzo for 14 with eight strikeouts with the runner on third and two outs. It's as bad, that's as bad as it gets. How many more at-bats do we need to pile onto that? To like, wh- When does the first hit come? It's not easy to get a hit with a runner on third and two outs, but 0 for 14 with eight strikeouts. Got to do better than that. You're a team leader. If you're one of like four major leaguers in the current lineup, um, and once it gets to Rizzo, runner on third, two outs, he ain't scoring. And uh, the contact play, which we literally two days ago were like, hey, let's never see that again, shows up <laughs> in the 10th inning. Just like, oh, let's try that again. Hey, runner on third, just start sprinting. If there's a hot shot, don't look at it. Just run for the plate. Oh, well, he's out. Um, he's even tagged twice. He's tagged, and the umpire's like, well, let's pretend he wasn't because I'm bored. And then he gets tagged again. And they don't <laughs> um, I'm glad they tied it up, I guess, after falling down 7-6. But that was encouraging. It was somewhat encouraging. It was all somewhat encouraging, but it all comes back to the fact that if they had won this game, you know, six – obviously the Rays are coming back, right? So there's no way – uh, even in a best case scenario, there's no way it's going to end six nothing because the Yankees would never do that. To us. Never. Let's say they win the game seven four or something. You'd still look at the risk stats at the end of this game and go, "Oh my god, come on!" Because obviously they piled up a few of these in in the tenth, but yeah. they they go zero for three with risk in the tenth. But all overall in the game, they're one for fifteen. So even giving them the benefit of the doubt, saying they score all the runs they did score on the Bader homer and the Rizzo homer, they'd be one for 12 through nine innings with risk. And you'd go, man, we really got out of that one lucky because we gave the Rays every opportunity to find their footing and come back. But yeah, Garrett Cole with a 6 nothing lead in the fifth. Like, he, he, of course, leads are blowable. It's not like, There's no lead that's not blowable, especially when one of the teams is 27 and 7. So I'm not speaking, uh, you know, some – I'm not saying that, yeah, you sh- they can't blow a lead to the Rays. They just can't. Of course they can. You can blow anything to anybody, and it was 6-2 pretty quickly, so then that's just a four-run lead that you're taking into the middle innings, and you can blow that, but you can't blow this lead with Garrett Cole on the mound. You can't. You absolutely can't do that. You, you can't. You cannot afford to do that. Because they lost this game with their ace on the mound, who's been untouchable this year and hasn't allowed a home run, they're 10 games out of the East. The East is pretty much over. Not to Sal Licata this, 
But, you know, these is done. The Yankees are not catching the Rays. Somebody might catch the Rays, but the Yankees are not catching the Rays. And they probably weren't catching the Rays anyway, regardless of how this weekend played out. But two out of three with your ace stomping on their face in the final game is really the best case scenario. They could have taken the Friday game, too. They came back from 4 nothing and tied it up and gave up the tie-breaking run on a dropped flyout. The series was horrendous. We have some pluses to talk about because game two was was pretty good. It shouldn't take it shouldn't take days of life out of you to win one game in the series. It did. That one win felt like I don't know, death gripping my heart and holding it for three hours. They did win a game. There were some nice moments in that win, but they fumbled their food. I called them the Dallas Cowboys on Twitter yesterday. How are they not the Dallas Cowboys at this point? They it's are. Been, it's been twenty years. If not for the two thousand nine World Series, they would be regarded as the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yeah, four for 33 with runners in scoring position. Um, and uh, the manner in which these games transpired. So you had Friday. I know the lineup isn't good, by the way. Like, I'm not arguing for, like, yeah. home run after home run with runners in scoring position. But when you've got bad hitters up, they at least should be fundamentally sound. They should they should be able to move runners over and get runners in. And And you had good hitters up in the 10th yesterday, and they couldn't do that. You need to execute at a high level if you're going to be not that talented, and they're not doing that. I'm not even asking. I'm asking for an accident, uh, a blooper, um, uh, uh, hit into no man's land, um, in you know, yeah. in the hole in the infield. Like they're not even getting that, which makes, which makes this feels, which makes this feel like it's it's uh, cosmic shit going on because it doesn't make sense how inefficient they can be on that front and again this is a complaint for three years this is not this is not something we just birthed over the weekend and saying oh you know this is a problem this is a problem for years and this lineup has largely been you know the core of it has been the same um and then you have you know we'll, we'll we'll go back to friday in a second but the manner in which yesterday was lost was a true loser's game a loser's game loser's game you have your best pitcher on the mound and of course you knew deep down that once the unraveling began in that top of the fifth, that this was going to be Garrett Cole's game to melt down because he needed one. And it usually happens in a big one. And it usually happens against a division rival or a rival in general. Um, and the sick part about it was, is that the camera looked over at Aaron Boone in that sixth, um, in the top of the sixth, which Cole didn't even get an out um, during uh, either double double walk home run out uh, taken out not not gotten out taken out mm -hmm. um and you saw after the Manny Margot walk the camera looked up at Boone and he was itching he was itching to take Garrett Cole out hmm. and I was sitting there and I was saying you can't take Garrett Cole out because you need the length you need to trust your 36 million dollar a year pitcher to get through the bottom of the Rays lineup and Garrett Cole has done this before. He's no stranger to getting himself out of trouble. He just but, struck out two guys, Randy Arozarena, with a dude on third and one out the previous inning. That's yeah. why you had a little bit of hope. Exactly. You're like, oh my God, it could have been 6-3 like that, and it's still 6-2. He can, he can finish this. No. Yeah. And the sick part is, is because this is why, like, every, nothing is right right now, and there is something going on that's just beyond the play, is – you saw Boone's face, and he wanted to he wanted to take Garrett Cole out 
when Christian Bethencourt came to the plate. And in your head, you're like, there's no reason he should do this. But then the result happens and you're just thinking to yourself, okay, I'm not going to fault Boone for not taking him out because you're going to trust Jimmy Cordero there. I don't think anybody is. Maybe there could have been another bullpen move. You had Michael King warming there and brought him in. I don't know. The situation's imperfect. It's a very difficult one to navigate. But if Boone really wanted to act with his gut, like he did those two games with Clay Holmes against the Guardians, then why would you not keep work, keep rolling with your gut and take Garrett Cole out there? And that's where this, like there, it seems like you're doing the captain hindsight argument for all this. And it's like, oh yeah, of course you're going to be mad at Boom for not taking Garrett Cole out uh, because of the result that happened two seconds later. It's like, no, I'm not angry about it. I'm just wondering why I'm literally watching him. He's trying, he's like holding him every ounce of himself back from leaving the dugout and taking Garrett Cole out and he doesn't do it. And then the next pitch is a dead center three run bomb to tie the game. So you just look at how the things transpire. You look at people's body language. You look at the previous decision-making from games that weren't too far behind. And it's like Aaron Boone's decision-making this year would have, he would have taken Garrett Cole out in theory before Christian Bethencourt and he didn't do it. And I don't know why. And again, I, I can't fault him, but at the same time, it's like, why are we not, if you're going to manage with your gut, manage with your gut. Don't be, at this point, don't even be afraid of the fan backlash because it's coming anyway. Um, and then you have, obviously, um, the 8th, ninth, and 10th innings where um, you have runners in scoring position, don't get them across. And then Albert Abreu has to come in in extras because that's that's how it all, that's how it all, that's how it all went down. And that's what you had to live with. Um, so, you look back and the Rays didn't entirely impress me this series. And I'm not, that's not even a shot at them. It's just like they didn't knock around our pitching too badly up until Cole's meltdown. Like, yeah, yeah they got after, they got after, um, uh, Herman a little bit in, uh, on Saturday. Um, and Brito, you know, as expected on Friday. But the Yankees got the job done against the Rays pitching and they had an equal amount of base runners this entire series. Um, with the Yankees having a much worse lineup. So when you have the opportunity to win a game like that and you don't, um, it's beyond discouraging. And that's the problem with this team. It's you think it's the worst it could possibly be. And then two days later, they figure out new ways to do it. And that's why it is feeling like a 2021 redux at this point, regardless of who's in the lineup. It's just how things are transpiring and how the decision making is, a, is you know, creating some sort of snowball effect for everything. Um, so I don't think we're being too hyperbolic by saying that regardless of who's in the lineup or not um, because you have a skeleton crew lineup and you punch back against the Rays and then you lose, you have the worst loss of the season with this bad lineup and it's inexplicable because you're like, I, how would this, how is this, how is this happening with B level players right now? I don't get it. How did they take a six, nothing lead with B level players? I don't know. Um, I mean, you could smell Boone wanting to take, Cole out, but you could also smell him not doing it because he was like, "Man, if I'm the one who takes Garrett Cole out here, exactly, I got flambéed for making the Clay Holmes moves last couple of days. Like, I'm gonna get killed. So I guess I'll lose this game on Garrett Cole's right arm, and then Garrett Cole's like, happy to help. I will blow this game for you. Um, (laughs) And then Holmes comes in, looks great. Wandy looks pretty good. Michael King dominates as always. You can't pull Cole there. I'll captain hindsight it. You can't pull him for Jimmy Cordero. Um, but you could pull him for Michael King. 
Yes. You, you could the, – the bullpen is depleted. You're missing Loisaga. You're missing potential closers. You used Ian Hamilton on Saturday, and it worked out. But you're missing that surefire back-end guy that allows you to use Michael King against the best players or against the biggest threat. And with first and second, no outs there. Cole is melting down. After that second double in the six is the first time where I was like, all right, they might blow this game. In the, in the <laughs> fifth, I was with my dad. Uh, and in the fifth, when he gave up the home run, you I did like, say it. You did say it. I was it. like, here we go. And I felt bad about doing that because I don't, I don't even know if I believed it when they gave up a solo home run. <laughs> and when Glaber Torres, you know, makes that weird play and the little league run scores, I'm starting to get nervous. But even I don't really believe it after they get out of the fifth. When they start the sixth with back to back doubles, I'm like, all right, we're in trouble now. Now you have to be a man of action. Like, and I don't think that action is Jimmy Cordero, but you have to have a plan because the Rays are putting the pressure on you. They did not impress me this weekend. Really? You're right. I mean, they took a four nothing lead and played with their food. If they had been the Yankees on Friday, it would have been on their case for, for, play, for doing damage to what should have been a, an easy cinch victory and having to rely on an, a left fielder, a first baseman playing left field, dropping a fly ball in order to win that game. We would be like, man, that was pretty, pretty lame. Why did you do that? But they fight back and they, they put that runner on second with no outs and a run already in. And at that point, it's danger zone. It's who cares if it's the bottom of the lineup. Michael King, I think you let Cole face Margot and then you bring in King. And if he gives up a three-run home run to tie the game, you have to live with it because he's your yeah. best reliever by far. He can cover the sixth and seventh. Wandy can cover the eighth. And Clay Holmes, who looked really good yesterday, can cover the ninth if he has to. And hopefully the lead is 7-3 at that point. Yeah, Boone said after the game that King could have done a four-out situation. So if you, but he didn't bring him out for extras. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, I hate to be this guy too, but Ron Marinaccio, 17 pitches on Saturday, inning and a third. Um, I know you don't want to go to him back. He said he was unavailable. Yeah. Well, he, he left that game on Saturday after pitching well, like he completed a scoreless inning and a third Yeah, and he yelled uh, F the F word as he left the mound. Which made me immediately think, all right, well, he's feeling something. Was he, he just was good? You think he no, was like like feeling injured because he he was good in that game. Like I don't know why you're yelling the f word after you get off the mound. Uh, he surrendered a two out hit and then got out of it like three pitches later on a grounder and then he's screaming. So I got my eyes on Ron Marinaccio in the next couple days. Let's see well, what the report. Maybe he don't want to give up the hit. Hopefully, but I'm just I'm surprised that no one else has mentioned that or caught that because. It immediately caught my attention as like, nothing bad happened. Why are you screaming? Um, so we'll see. But we end up with Jimmy Cordero and a huge, you know, middle innings opportunity. And and it's too late. And, of course, um, because they do lose this game by one run, you have to think about, oh, remember when there was a grounder to Jimmy Cordero and he let a runner score from second on it? Oh, remember when Glaber Torres uh, dove and stopped a ball and tried to throw a runner out at third instead of just holding the ball, but it bounced away and that runner scored and another runner went to third and then Garrett Cole got back-to-back strikeouts. So that runner never would have scored if Gleyber Torres wasn't weirdly aggressive or Oswaldo Cabrera didn't dribble a bouncer coming his way. There, there were two completely unnecessary runs in this comeback and, oh, the Yankees lost by one run. So you just have to look back at that too what do you in know? addition to all the risk failure and go, Garrett Cole was awful yesterday all things considered it happens but of course it happened in the worst possible scenario for the yankees and and then there were two absolutely preventable runs that could not have been allowed to score that scored that ended up dictating a game that went to extra innings 
Yeah, the Glaber play. The broadcast was kind of coming down on Cabrera for not scooping that. I mean, sure, but guess what? It was still a throw that the runner would – it was a bad throw that the runner wouldn't have gotten out. He still would have been on third. Um, and then you had that play by Glaber in the first or second where second. he just didn't throw to first base and instead just fell backwards, and it almost put the Yankees in worse trouble. So um, – I. Glaber Torres, I, I don't. It's just uh, every every time he tries to redeem himself, he does four things that make you question why he's still on this team. Um, the Cordero thing's insane. Dribbling ground ball. If you watch the frame and go back, if you watch it frame by frame and go go back and watch the how it all unfolded, he looks to third base and still throws it to first. So he sees the runner turning around and 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 making the turn around third, and then he lobs it to first base. He doesn't even throw it. He lobs it to first base, which gives um, was it who was it Jose Siri even more yeah. time to get around third and make it to home. So it was the one of the craziest plays you'll ever see because he noticed it was happening, and then instead, uh, maybe I guess in that moment he looked just out of instinct, and then realized he should have threw it home and then as he was doing it he was just like Ugh! and he lobbed it to first and he was like fuck well i just did everything wrong um but yeah and then friday you have jake bowers 95 percent catch probability on that line drive to left field and then he kicks it to the wall um and then you thought the runner was thrown out at home because again the umps wanted to have fun they were fucking bored so they call the runner out then they go back to replay then he was safe and then he you was. knew the yankees were dead after that um but yeah there were positives. There were some positives. What were your positives? Saturday's game was nice. I enjoyed Great. that almost, you know, not wire to wire because they were down two nothing in the eighth. So it's not like, oh man, what a relaxing Saturday afternoon watching the, the one wrist hit that matter. Yeah, Harris, uh, Harrison Bader found a found a bloop. He found a blooper. He didn't start that game. He came up with two huge hits, and they eventually cashed in once. Um, he's absolutely electric. I don't really care if he's a sustainable three sixty hitter with power. I still think the Yankees can't let him go. He's a professional. No. I think they need yep. to find a way to keep him on this roster. All-around baseball player. We talk all the time about how hard it has been to find players who want to be New York Yankees. He wants that spotlight. He wants that spotlight in New York. He does not want it in Los Angeles, California. He is a local. He is a native. He needs to be here for quite a while. Um, and I don't really care if he misses games, honestly. I, I think you need you need to pay the price, which is going to be comparatively lower to keep him on this team. Michael King's still elite. Domingo Herman might not be so bad after all, even though Kyle Higashioka tried to bone him by calling a two-strike pitch and a one-strike count, forced him to come back in on Margot in the first inning oh, on Saturday. About that. Again, this team just not locked in at all. This team, and that's got to come back on Aaron Boone too, that this roster is undermanned, but they're also playing stupid. There's no way they're getting the most out of the talent they still fall. have. Yeah, they, they just there's no way they're getting the most out of the talent that they still have. Um, and Kyle Gashioga just not locked. It's the first inning and he's not locked in. So that could have been a killer, but wasn't. And then Ian Hamilton has the clutch gene. I mean, that was a great first ever save opportunity. He's great. Um, they, they talked about him as a guy who had his jaw broken by a line drive and went in the dugout. You could tell from both looking at him and from watching him pitch, he is completely fearless. He gets uh, the first two outs of the ninth. Almost gets a pitch clock violation on a 3-2 pitch, but instead delivers a pinpointed 96-mile-an-hour fastball to get Taylor Walls, who looked extremely beatable this weekend, to strike out. He gets two strikes on Luke Rayleigh, gives up a rattling double into the corner, 
all of a sudden has tying run on second, two outs, got to come up with against a pinch hitter who's killed us. And he goes, strike one, foul ball, gets him to swing over and, and top a slider into right field, and IKF takes it home. Uh, imagine where we'd be today if IKF had succumbed to the, the roof at Tropicana Field and dropped that ball or something. He's not a right fielder. It would have made sense if that had happened. Uh, they win a huge game on, on Saturday and are unable to follow. If they, again, just followed it up with a stinker on Sunday and just, like, lost 7-1, we would be like, yeah, I mean, that Great. makes sense, but I'm glad they were able to take one of those. Um, that's why it bummed me out when Rizzo said yesterday, this team proved they can hang close. I mean, what they actually sure. proved, though, is that one of these teams makes winning plays in crucial situations and the other one doesn't. The Yankees came back from 4 nothing down and blew Friday's game on awful defense. The Yankees held a 6 nothing lead on Sunday and played with their food and blew it in 25 minutes with their ace on the mound. And then we're unable to come up from there with a crucial hit with runs in scoring position. They tie the game with second and third and one out on a grounder. Thank you for tying it, but maybe pick up a hit there. Eighth inning, they got guys on, don't do anything. Ninth inning, runner on second, one out for the worst hitters in the lineup. They don't produce anything. And then the 10th, you're, you're given a free gift and you don't know what to do with it. I, I was, I, I didn't like watching Anthony Rizzo be inspired by this. And if you, I, I mean, you better come out hot this week against the Rays if you really were inspired by your ability to hang with them. But what I really learned is that, again, when push comes to shove, one of these teams makes winning plays and one of them makes losing plays. Yeah, one because you look at the disparity, right? We just said I didn't count the number of base runners, but it was almost equal. Yankees four for 33 with risk, Rays four for 30 with risk. Um, and the Yankees with the defensive miscues that in the largest moments that cost them um, the Yankees with the failures with those runners in scoring position, much more glaring than the Rays failures with runners in scoring position. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Bader all around baseball player, great instincts, his energy in the dugout, I think is unrivaled. Haven't seen anything like that since probably Todd Frazier. Um, if you guys don't watch the broadcast closely, please do. Um, he is an absolute uh, energizer in there and he keeps the vibes up as best as possible. Um, Ian Hamilton. Great. Uh, looks like a Peaky Blinder. If we can get Peaky Blinder garb photoshopped on him, like next to, um, Killian Murphy. Uh, I think that would probably go viral. Um, in some respect, he could, he could look like the brother John, I think from the show. Um, and yeah, they're just going to have to show, they got to sweep the A's, uh, the worst thing they could have done was lose like that and then go into a series against the worst team in baseball and not be ready to beat the shit out of them. Because if they are not absolutely ready to beat the shit out of the worst team in baseball, then you know they're going to lose at least one of these games. And they can't, they they are, they, they have, they, they cannot afford to do that heading into four game series with the Rays, four game series with the Blue Jays. Because effectively, if you fuck up those two series, you could ruin the entire season. You really yeah. could. And I'm not saying they're going to lose all eight, but if you drop three or four to the Rays, sayonara to first place, you, you're playing for a wild card spot. If you split with the Rays and lose three or four to the Jays, you might be looking at third place. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's all dumb. It's really just all dumb. Red Sox are good. At least pretty good. They're not good. They're fake good. They're fake. I mean, they're, they're, they have wins. They're winning games. Yeah, they have wins. Yeah, I don't think they're great, but they're winning games. We're losing games. Yeah, the Orioles. True. The Orioles are beating up on bad teams. Like they have they, no health problems though, and they're trying to frame it like they do. 
people are like, oh, you know, they're doing this all without Trevor Story and uh, and uh, Garrett Whitlock. They're pretending like Garrett Whitlock is a starter for them. He's made seven starts for them, four starts for them since he he was he was a bona fide ace reliever. And now you're moving him to the rotation. You're acting as if him not being in the rotation is ruining your rotation. And Trevor Story was barely league average last year. Trevor Story's absence does not really affect this team. And comparing it side by side to what the Yankees are missing, I know you can only use injuries as an excuse, you know, to a certain extent. But the Sox have what two more wins than the Yankees, and they have three. They're they have twenty one wins, twenty one and fifteen. Okay, so they have three more wins than the Yankees. They're three games ahead of them, and they've had minimal injuries compared to the Yankees. You're not going to tell me that. Um, who's the other bullpen arm that's out? They have one other bullpen arm that's out, and Yu Chang is out. Those are not actually Joelle Rodriguez. Rodriguez is not a loss. That's a loss in turn if you need innings eaters, that's not a loss in terms of an actual an actual producer for you. The Yankees are down half of their producers at this present moment. They are running into these situations with the bullpen because they literally don't have enough arms. It's not it's not, you know, they're not undermanned two guys. And it's like, oh, man, would have been great to have Tommy Canely in that situation. No, it's we have no choice but to go to Albert Abreu in the 10th because this is what we're fucking dealing with. So Red Sox winning games, give them props for that. Don't compare your situation to mine because it's disingenuous and it's wrong. Canely, Loisaga, Trevino, Carlos Rodon, who we might not see this year, who has a degenerative back, chronic back condition of some kind, Frankie Montas. Judge, Stanton, Ben Rortvet. Bader up until Tuesday. You saw the yeah. day. Everyone said Bader wasn't going to be an offensive difference maker. I mean, we said that to an extent. We said he's going to bring great energy here. Historically, he's not a tip-top hitter, but he runs into some, and he kind of gets some clutch hits. So, yeah, this will help. It's not going to solve their problems. Um but missing missing that element for the first in, for the first full month of the season, he didn't come back until less six days ago. So they were without they were without that um, down. You forgot to mention Severino, um, yeah, right. Scott Efros, you know, Josh Donaldson, one of the best players in the league. <laughs> he bangs, he bangs. <laughs> yes. We'll see him soon. Um, but yeah, the situations are not comparable, um, and the fact that it's a revolving door of guys coming in and out. And Aaron Boone having a mix and match. And Aaron Boone cannot mix and match. I think that's that's the issue here. He cannot do more with less. He can only do less with more. And then he can do even less with less. So I don't know what we, happened. Yeah. In, in can I talk? Can we get a Dodgers fan? I would love to see Dave Roberts manage this fucking team. I really would. I would Dave Roberts sits there. They they make this roster, they make the Dodgers make their 2023 roster willingly worse. Yeah. They say, you know what? We're gonna do away. We're gonna get rid of some of these high price guys. We're gonna let the younger prospects play that we think we have faith in. And they go into San Diego this this weekend. They spoil two games in the top of the ninth. They tie it up. They win them both in extras. I can't see the Yankees even attempting to do that on the road right now. And I understand that they have a skeleton crew, but. You know, you look at a team like the Dodgers who tr obviously trust their manager enough to willingly downgrade and they're getting the same results. And he's doing all types of mixing and matching with the their outfield was terrible up until a couple of weeks ago. And then James Outman started playing every day. He kind of figured out how to do left, uh, how to 
how to uh, make left field a little bit more effective. I don't know. The Yankees are the Yankees don't have the most resources in the world, but Aaron Boone's certainly not helping. And it's again should be on easy mode. Really should yeah. be on easy mode for both of these guys. Dave Roberts and Aaron Boone should be shaking hands, thanking their lucky stars every day that they have the Steinbrenner fortune and and the Los Angeles Dodgers Andrew Friedman genius behind them. And yeah, Dodgers are living large. What, what do they have the same record as the Red Sox? They're like yeah. twenty one and. Uh, 21 and 14 pretty good for a team that we we all agree like doesn't have a shortstop Yankees didn't have a shortstop last year either got out to this hot start we'll see if it sustains for the Dodgers but I'd much rather be them than us right now not just because we're in last place but if you are in New Jersey and Connecticut your Yankee fan feeling despondent about yourselves we have an awesome limited time promo for our new DraftKings users that's new users only but if you deposit and place a five dollar or more wager on any sport you get 150 dollars instantly added to your account in bonus bets, win or lose. All you have to do is use our code YANKSGOYARD at sign up to redeem. Yanks Go Yarn, not yet an active podcast or code, <laughs> but it might be by the end of this week because, again, I'm pretty sick of this shit. Currently, it's Yanks Go Yard at sign up to redeem. That code is a great way to support the pod. Most importantly, you'll get this $150 in free bonus bets if you win or lose, but you'll also help us out a lot by having us be the source of of your ability to play. So if you don't have a DraftKings account yet, do us a solid sign up with the code YANKSGOYARD and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus and present, physically in New Jersey or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey or 888-789-7777 in Connecticut. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit wage required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. I'm just going to shit on the Rays for a second here, though. Shit on them. Um, after this game, so the Rays, everybody's criticizing them for their light schedule, and they fight back against Garrett Cole, and that was, I mean, you got to do a victory lap after that. As annoying as that was, I mean, you, come on, 6 nothing in the fifth against Garrett Cole. Like, we keep, fucking win. That, we keep saying that has to be game over for a reason, because Garrett Cole is the Cy Young frontrunner, and the Rays have put up almost no offense against him through four innings. Yankees have to finish that job. They don't. The Rays storm back, win the game in extras. They should be extremely proud of themselves. And after the game, they tweet. Uh, uh, you know, they they get funny. They they flex their muscles a little bit, and they tweet um, a picture of of the big hit their video, and it says, "Weren't we supposed to be? Weren't we supposed to start playing real teams by now?" Fine. Because everybody was saying that about the schedule. Yes, I get it. That's a fine tweet to make. It would make me frustrated, but it's a way more effective tweet than the Guardian saying we're playing in Queens again or whatever the shit they've been doing is. Like, I would look at that and go, ugh, good tweet. It's a good tweet. And then they deleted it. Wimpy. What are you doing? I don't know who got to the Rays social person. I, maybe they had a change of heart and someone was like, hey, just a reminder, the Yankees are pretty injured right now. You might not want to say this isn't a real team or, or whatever. I don't know if it was out of some sympathy. Maybe Yankee fans were just taking that tweet, and pounding it into oblivion with a ratio. Um, maybe Elon didn't like it and, and banned it and deleted it himself. I don't know what happened, but I do know wimpy move. Talk smack. You backed it up. You get the right to talk smack. Now you delete it. You put that seed in the Yankees' heads. If they're a serious team, they go out and split and take three or four this weekend at Yankee Stadium out of penance to show you, you know, you got to back it up. Why are you, why are you walking away? The worst thing you can do online is talk smack. You, like, your replies are going to get massacred. But the, the only thing worse than doing that is deleting that smack that you talked. Because then you're going to get – everybody sees it. This did not get hidden. We wrote about it. It didn't go away. It never goes away. 
not standing by it is the only thing you could do worse than tweeting it in the first place. Maybe they looked at the standings after because they weren't paying attention and then they saw the Yankees were bad and they were like, oh, we shouldn't keep this up because we did play a bad team and we're still playing an easy schedule. Um, or they realized that they looked at the bottom half of the Yankees lineup and they were like, actually, this team has like the same OPS as the A's, so it's not good. Maybe we'll have to wait until Judge and Stanton come back before we can actually say we beat a good team if we beat the Yankees. I don't know. It's classic. Look, it's, it is – I mean, I don't know why you delete that just because you know someone's going to screenshot it. You know how this goes. Michael Kay gets outed in the DMs last week for going after a Yankees mm-hmm. fan who blindly – who just made up that uh, Kay was defending Cashman on the broadcast, which, which didn't happen. Yeah. And then he screenshotted the DM and then it goes live. Like, you know, this is going to happen, especially if you're, especially if you're any account with a check mark or if you're a team playing the Yankees, because not only will Yankee fans screenshot it, but everybody who hanks, hates the Yankees will screenshot it and love it because they hate the Yankees. And this is where they get their pleasure from because they have no other ways to fulfill their lives. And on one end of the spectrum, I can understand it. On the other end, it's frustrating. Do something else. The Yankees are a complete skeleton crew right now and losing a series like that to the Rays, while embarrassing is like also should have probably gotten swept also probably should have gotten outscored by 10 runs also probably should have you know Garrett Cole should have been chased in the third like this series ended up going a lot better for the Yankees when you look at the totality and then you just point back to four moments where this team just couldn't get it done and they end up looking like a laughing stock so I get it I get it but the Rays, you got to be better than that. Can't be deleting stuff online. Come on. Rays should have punished us hard. You're yeah. Right. Um, in, in terms of getting physical punishment, um, Carlos Rodon might not be back anytime soon. That was no. nice to see him in the dugout uh, yeah. over the weekend. You know, yeah. he, he wants to pitch. He wants to pitch. Um, you wrote about the Carl Pavano comparison, and I think that's – it's at what you said is apt, saying, like, this is way too premature Horrible. to do this. It might be. It might turn out to be a bad contract. The back issue might affect him for the duration of the deal. Maybe he needs offseason surgery. All of those worst case scenarios are in play. But Carl Bovano lied about his injuries. Carl Bovano withheld them. Carl Bovano didn't have that much talent leading into his Yankees tenure. Not even close. On uh, was a perfect signing at a perfect time. Who was dealt with this ridiculous setback that's so 2023 Yankees. It hurts. But he wants to be out there and yearns to be on the mound. That said. The other injured Yankee, Luis Severino, appears to be coming back relatively soon, and he his attitude could not possibly be more in the opposite direction. Carlos Rodon. He was angry that the Yankees didn't want him to throw a rehab start in Tampa, instead settling for a simulated game. He was angry that the Yankees wanted to start his rehab clock in Scranton on Wednesday, a day game as opposed to Thursday, because he did not want to stay overnight in Scranton. Luis Severino is not coming back to the Yankees. He will not be signing long-term. With the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees probably aren't as interested in he in him as other teams would be. Yeah. St. Louis Cardinals, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim seem like solid Luis Severino destinations to me. Yeah. Uh, but it's no secret, right? Every time Severino talks, he somehow manages to lose more leverage. It's like the Vlad Jr. stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago, and his dad's like, "Hey, don't say you would never sign with the Yankees when you were dead, because maybe they offer you the most money." And he's like, "Nope, I'm going to say it again." Luis Severino, no, everybody knows you're not coming back here. But you've got a couple weeks to realize your goals and the Yankees' goals are the same. You need to have a big year 
in order to get that contract that you think you deserve. The Yankees need you to have a big year because Frankie Montas is going to be a while and Carlos Rodon is not walking through that door and this current rotation doesn't have a chance and we add Luis Severino at least got a shot. You got to make your final year in pinstripe special for both people's purposes. And this is another ridiculous, I can't believe that Luis Severino is still the one who is going after the Yankees medical staff rather than the other way around. Uh, you know, we attack the Yankees medical staff all the time. We don't trust them. I would understand some distrust, but the particulars of when your rehab start is because you don't want to be in Scranton has nothing to do with the medical staff's desires. That's just preference, and that's being a baby. Yeah. How did the office never do an episode with the Yankees AAA team? I don't think, you know, I think they asked, I think they focus grouped and, uh, I don't think Shelly Duncan was a big enough draw. I don't think anybody knew. I don't think the national audience recognized Ian Kennedy. So I think they were like, I don't think Andy Bernard and Ian Kennedy interacting would be a, a highlight. So I think they just decided Kevin Reese doesn't, it doesn't translate on the national space. Yeah, it's, you're right. I, but I could do, I, Kevin Malone just like sitting on nachos by accident at a game like that. It, it writes itself. They um, made the, the stadium used to look very dumpy too. It was like yeah. a big concrete. They also used to be the Scranton Yankees instead of the Scranton Rail Riders. Maybe that had something to do with it. But mm. Kevin Russo, Juan Miranda, Eric Duncan, Colin Curtis on this uh, 2009 team. That would have been really fun to watch. <laughs> Kevin Cash was there. I'm sure he Kevin Cash, yeah. Thomas Yuxton, Regi Corona. Remember him? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you well, don't. Um, all right. I got two things to say here. I'll start with Severino, and then I'll go to the Pavano thing. C- Pavano wrote on. Um yeah, I uh, said in the beginning of the season when Severino got injured that, you know, and this was not a shot at him, I just said I couldn't wait for his time to be done in pinstripes um, just because there's always something. Um, there's always something to be desired. Um, and the fact that this is still happening, right? It happened last year. He complained about being put on the 60-day IL. He was wouldn't, the one who got injured. Calendar. Wouldn't look at the calendar. Yeah, they tried to show him a calendar to say this is when he'd be back. He yeah. goes, I'm not reading that calendar. Okay, great. Refused to read the calendar. Again, publicly called out the organization. Then you have the fact that there was injury information withheld prior to his 2019 injury, which essentially kept him out for two years. Forgot the start time of an ALDS game. Forgot the start game. time of a playoff game. So has one pay- career playoff win. I think that's important to note, too. In 11 opportunities, he has one playoff victory. It was game four against Cleveland in 2017. It's almost impossible to have the playoff numbers he's had with the talent he has, but Mm -hmm. they're quite pungent. And it's almost impossible for someone like him to continue to be outspoken when he hasn't necessarily earned the right to. Um, Yes, 2017 and 2018 were really good. Um, Two years of success doesn't really earn you anything in any sport, really, unless it's you're heading into a contract year and then you step in shit, and that's kind of how it works. But I said... And I didn't say it too loudly because I didn't want people coming after me in the offseason. I thought they should have traded him. I thought they should have picked up his option, $15 million, and traded him somewhere. Why? Because you could have signed another pitcher. You could have actually recouped some value in return. And you could have cleared some payroll after the Donaldson mess, um, the fact that you knew you were signing Aaron Judge to that big of a contract. I know $15 million isn't a whole lot. But once again, you did not get – Anywhere close to a full season from Luis Severino. You got 19 starts, you got a public complaint, and you got more drama than you did help. And then here we go again. Start of the season, lat injury, out for another two months. Now he's talking about how he 
is comfortable with the rules, but still needs to adjust because spring training feels so much longer ago, but yet he's complaining about having an extended rehab assignment as they, they try to get him back. So all in all, he's the one who's been injured. He's the one who has played a role. Also, I think the Yankees medical staff is obviously bad. So this is Luis Severino is not the sole person to blame in this situation. It's a toxic, no. it's a toxic relationship that both parties keep going back to one act. Well, one has no choice. The Yankees keep diving back into this. Well, and I don't understand why it's more, I think it's the disease that they have. The front office has is that they will see out every extension. They will see out every trade until the bitter end because they never want to admit too early that they're wrong. They were wrong on Luis Severino and perhaps that was unlucky, but now they're really showing that they're wrong because the behavior for Luis Severino has now been there for four years, and the Yankees are choosing to live with it, choosing to put up with it when the results are not there. So the fact that he's complaining about something as minute as this and giving the Yankees bad headlines during a time where the play is just as bad and he's still figuring out a way to get his, himself to the forefront is toxic. And they keep employing these players, and they don't want to – part with them and how, how we're, you know, look, we wanted Joey Gallo traded the off season after that first half and the yeah. Yankees let it go on for another six months and it got worse and it got worse and 2021, you know, and 2022 ended up, you know, crashing down after we traded them. Um, so the Yankees, the, it comes down to the Yankees not wanting to admit a mistake or just move on from repeated behavior. That's poor. Now you want to talk about the fans I hate the fans. I hate this fan base. Uh, and I don't care if you're going to actually tune out and not listen anymore. Cause I do. Cause the fact that we have people on Twitter and it's a big contingent on Twitter because it's trending. It's Carlos Rodon, Carl Pabano. We're trending. Yeah. The fact that you want to live in the toxicity and the negativity and all of this just disdain is horrible. You have Carlos Rodon who signed this contract. Talk about wa- talking about wanting to be a Yankee, talking about wanting to win a championship, talking about how, he loves the energy of this fan base and how he will get the response that he deserves after a good start or a bad start. Doesn't care about getting booed. Knows that that's the knows that those are the stakes here. Now this guy's injured. He's being as honest as he possibly can with the organization, as clear and candid as he possibly can to avoid coming back early and then getting shelled and then going back on the IL and having this be a gigantic mess. And then you are all going on comparing him to Carl Pavano, which is not even comparable because the Yankees signed Carl Pavano out of spite because he kicked their ass in the 2003 World Series, and then they were on full tilt after the collapse in 2004, so they needed something at that point to acquiesce everything that they were literally unable to undo because the damage was done. It affected them for the next you know five or six years, and that was how, that, that was how it transpired. Carl Pavano was never as even close to as good of a pitcher as Carlos Rodon was. He had one good year, and that was – that was 2004. It was a six-plate Cy Young finish, and he was not a power pitcher. He was not really an outspoken guy. He wasn't necessarily a bulldog. He wasn't a number two starter that you would rely on in the postseason, at least in my opinion. I don't know how from, you feel. From about New that. England. From New England, too. Yeah. So Boston fan. Exactly. Um, so, And then you go into the fact that he hid the back issues coming into New York, which eventually developed into the shoulder problems. He hid the car accident in 2006 that resulted in fractured ribs. Um, Brian Cashman literally publicly said he felt like Carl Pavano was trying to sabotage the medical staff's efforts to get this team healthy and get themselves in a good position. So the fact that you're just baseline comparing, oh, Carlos Rodon signed a big money contract. So did Carl Pavano. They're both injured. This is the situation all over again. You're literally trying to contrive a reality that doesn't exist because you want to live in the doldrums. 
And this is why you suck. This is why you make things less enjoyable. This is why this is what the Twitter discourse is. And this is why I have to come on here for seven minutes and talk about this when I don't need to. I understand there are a lot of bad vibes around this team. And a lot of them, the anger is legitimate. The managing, the roster construction, the the poor play out of players who need to be delivering in a moment like this when half the roster is out. But you don't pile on a guy who's trying to come back from an injury. It's like piling on Giancarlo Stanton for having a hamstring injury. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think the ultimate blame goes to Brian Cashman for that because you knew, you knew that that was his history. At the same time, you knew this was Rodon's history, but a chronic back issue that never showed up before. Th- this is j- again, this is just a sad discussion that we'd rather not talk about. It's something that, again, is a is a s- cosmic spiritual thing that's just it's witchcraft affecting this team that. We don't really have control over. Get mad about the things that warrant anger. Don't pile on guys who are trying their best to get healthy and be uh, be transparent and and be uh, positive in their recovery or whatever it is, because that's just adding to the toxicity and it's it's trying to ruin a situation that's actually trying to get on the other side of it. And you're doing your best to keep it on the bad side. So and please Rodon, Rodon felt no pain. Like Rodon feels no back pain. He feels strange. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, but it's it's not anything to go insulting the guy about or doing making a parallel to somebody who was obviously uh, a bad acquisition and also toxic and unhelpful. Yeah, but that's what I think is important. He's got restricted range of motion and doesn't feel like he has the same level of command, but he's not hurt. So if he wanted to, he could come back right now and pitch poorly and not tell the Yankees about this. Because he doesn't feel pain. They said, do you feel pain? He could say no. He could go out there and struggle and get shelled and get booed. But he's not doing that. Carl Bovano didn't seem to want to come back and pitch. He never wanted to be a Yankee. Uh, 18-8 and with a 3 ERA in 222 and a third innings the year before we signed him with 139 strikeouts. Not a a, a pitcher getting extremely lucky in in mixing and matching for 1.5 years of his career. Then he comes to the Yankees. And everything falls apart. And then luckily, down the line, back when the Yankees get to, used to have the good karma breaks, they face Pavano in the 2009 and 2010 playoffs. He shuts them down for the majority of his start, and then they win both of those games. He pitches like six shutout. Uh, Jorge Posada and A-Rod get him in 09, and then the next year, matched up with Andy Pettit, Lance Berkman gets him. And the Yankees prosper twice because it's like, you try to shove that giant contract in our faces – we're going to beat you when it matters most, even when you think you have us on the ropes. Now we don't have that karma advantage for whatever reason, but people still hate us as if it's the mid-90s, and that's why I call us the Dallas Cowboys, because thank God we won the 2009 World Series. Thank God we won the 2009 World Series. Because <laughs> yeah. if not for that, we would be on the verge of some true demolition devastation. The New York sports oh, no. airwaves would be just people calling – as if like it was an escape from New York. You would hear police choppers. <laughs> New York would look like what Republican senators say New York looks like if we had not won the 2009 World Series. Like it That would happen in 2021 would have been the full end if we didn't yes. win the World Series in 2009. 2021, the riots would have taken hold. <laughs> imagine if they told, imagine if the pandemic was after 2021, there would have been no, I'm nostalgic for New York baseball. You would have been like, oh my God, thank God. Take it from me. Do not come back. Oh my God. Yeah. This is just, if you don't, if we don't have the $500 million investment offseason, I don't know where we are, but 
yeah, it's it's the decision making, it's the infighting with the fan base. You know, that's that doesn't that doesn't make things better in general. You know, people constantly are like arguing about nothing, no. arguing about who you think is a better bounce back candidate, arguing about you know whether you think Brian Cashman. You know, you, you pick out three of Brian Cashman's good moves and use that as a defense for him. Or, you know, Aaron Hicks hits an RBI double yesterday and you think he's back. Um, I don't know. It's it's just all it's all off kilter. Nothing is real. You make the right decision. It's wrong. You make the right signing. It doesn't work out. Um, there's stuff happening beyond our control, beyond perhaps the universe's control. And I think that's what we have to acknowledge here um, because I don't know. I really don't know anymore. I just think it's important that, like, uh, you know, I, I think our fan base has been toxic for weeks now. I'm mad at our fan base. I'm mad at the Red Sox fan base for being complaining oh children all offseason long and booing Haim Bloom and the front office at the winter warm-up weekend or whatever. And now that you're 21 and 15, you're it's taking a big lap Massachusetts for Haim Bloom. You guys took the trip to Springfield to act like entitled children and boo your front <laughs> office for constructing this team that you now love a month later. And Yankee fans, you know, Yankee fans get guff for booing Aaron Hicks. We gave them guff for booing Aaron Hicks before opening day even started. But they've been rewarded with the dullest baseball of all time. So it's almost like, all right, you made your bed. Now you get to lie in it. This team is a snooze fest. Red Sox fans getting rewarded for doing the same thing. And and the, and the national media has conveniently forgotten that they traveled to a Red Sox fan event to yell at the team president and ownership they have no appreciation for what that ownership has brought. They've won four World Series with three different GMs. They now have a fourth, and they're now sprinting out to have one of the best records in the American League. I, I wish there would just be some perspective there. And now the New York Yankees face Oakland, and Oakland is a bad team. And playing Oakland between two Rays series and then another Jays series after you'd think would be a gift. You'd think that would be a nice thing. But the whole world is going to be demanding that the Yankees sweep this series. And guess what? The 2023 Yankees are not good enough to take care of business that easily. They might sweep. They really might. They might finish the series with a sweep, but it's not going to be easy. It's not guaranteed. Oakland has a better offense than the Yankees this season. 24th in OPS for the Yankees versus 22nd in OPS for the Oakland A's. Nestor Cortez coming back from strep throat. Clark Schmidt, Johnny Brito. We are seeing J.P. Sears. We are not seeing Oakland's best pitcher, the rookie Mason Miller, who almost no hit. The Mariners, that's a slight break. But between our two series against our most heated rival, we get this relaxing respite at home against the worst team money could buy because they don't spend money on anybody and they're horrendous. But, oh, wait, their offense is better than yours and both the Yankees and A's are in last place. So I'm just saying don't take these games for granted. The Yankees are actually going to have to scratch and claw to do what you're selling them that they have to do. Yeah, and I'm not even paying attention to the Yankees this week. I need the Braves to beat the shit out of the Red Sox, and then I need the Cardinals to turn their season around against the Red Sox. Give me five straight losses for Boston, and I'll be okay mentally um, because I th- I, I'm confident the Yankees will win two out of three against the, against the A's. I know they're pathetic, but they're not that pathetic. I think um, they'll win two out of three, but people are going to be saying that that should have been a sweep, and they're going to be right, but this team isn't good enough to be delivering on stuff like no. that. But you got Cole against the Rays. You'll have Nestor for the end of the Rays series, too. So, like, you'll get two of your best pitchers in there. Domingo. In the Rays series as well. So, um, you know, you take care of job again. You take care somewhat of business against the league's worst team. And I need the NL to just hit. And then 
And then the Red Sox, they take on the Mariners who are heating up a little bit. That's yes, that's uh, that's the beginning of next week. And then they go on a road trip, San Diego, Angels, um, Diamondbacks. Those are three tough teams. So yeah. the Red Sox are going into a little bit of a gauntlet. The reason why I'm rooting against it is because I can't have the Yankee fan bullshit and the Red Sox fan bullshit converging. That no. that can't happen. That is where that's where things start um really getting bad mentally um and just you know uh discourse wise like regular pieces of conversation that need to be discussed just get lost you're you don't even know what you're talking about anymore um so yeah i'll be paying attention to our rivals that's what i'll be doing i gotta hear a proof of life apology from red sox fans telling me that like oh yeah no i know i probably should not have been so hard on high and bloom before the season and if i was going to be so hard on him i probably shouldn't be celebrating his roster now the yankees have IKF playing third and batting sixth today. Aaron Hicks playing left and batting ninth. What are you doing? Can't wait. Let's go, Yanks. Let's beat the A's. We'll see everybody on Thursday. We'll be here same time, same place, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Mega-sized episode today because we were angry. Again, I had to work up all these emotions after putting them down yesterday. I, like, put them in the hamper. I threw them away. I watched Succession, and I had to boil up all this shit again to screen <laughs> my camera today. I don't even really feel the same way anymore that I did yesterday. But in the moment, vitriolic, disgusting, and I'm I'm one of the worst. I'm part of the problem, but I'm, I hate this team right now. I hate them right now so much. Uh, and you can find us if you hate them or love them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I do these uh, podcasts after bad games because I know when the Red Sox choke, I'm going right to Kravis' stupid podcast, and I'm listening to that. Uh, I go to his Twitter feed, and I read him. That's what I do. So this one today specifically was for the self-loathing Yankee fans and the people who very much hate us because I would listen to uh, – what what did I turn on after the Celtics loss yesterday? Bill Simmons' podcast this morning. It was embarrassing with Ryan Rosillo. Ryan Rosillo being very sarcastic going, uh, yeah, man, after every point Simmons made because they're both angry at each other. Uh, and they hate each other as well, and they hate themselves, and they hate their own team, even though they're going to win the NBA title this year. Um, so this this one was a service to everybody who hates the New York Yankees. We're happy to provide that service. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Lots of content there, lots of self-loathing content. All you toxic people will enjoy it. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I know you're reading. I know you're commenting. Yes. At least do us a favor and do that. Uh, find us both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. And uh, yeah, we'll see how the A series goes. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. And we're just hoping the conversation's a little bit octave higher. Want to be here. Happy. Not here and pissed. See you on the other side. No Ken Waldachuk. Why are we even talking about it? This feels like the Yankees are playing a minor league tune-up in the middle of the season. That's why it's so painful, because this is a last-place team facing a last-place team. <sighs> Whoop-dee-doo. We'll see you on Thursday when it's all over. Bye, everybody.